What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Gen Alpha Talk, and today I am here to talk about something other than education. And today's episode, I will be talking about friendships. You, you know, you guys have friends, and I'm pretty sure they're the best friends in your opinion. And today, I will tell you guys about how your friends change your habits for better or and worse. Uh. Our health choices are constantly influenced by our friends, both consciously or unconsciously. We often think that self-control comes from within, yet many of our actions depend just as much on our friends and family as ourselves. Those we surround ourselves with have the power to make us fatter, drink more alcohol, care less about the environment, and be more risky with sun protection, among many things. This is not simply peer pressure, in which you deliberately act in a certain way to fit in with the group. Instead, it is largely unconscious. Beneath your awareness, your brain is constantly picking up on cues from the people around you to inform your behavior. And the consequences can be serious. It is now well accepted that personal sense of self is derived from other people. The more of your identity you draw from a group, even when you're not around that group, the more likely you are to uphold those values, says Amber Gaffney, a social psychologist from Humboldt State University. If a big part of how you identify is as a student from a certain university or like me in academic, uh, then that's what you take with you into most interactions with others. I see things first through my lens as an academic Students, for instance, tend to have stronger attitudes towards things like legalizing drugs or supporting environmental sustainability than the rest of the population. Uh, these are called social norms, and while these norms are usually stable, some interesting things happen if just one person in the associated group acts out of character. Hmm. Consider the following study. They wish found that people were likely to change their opinion on green travel if they found out their peers were acting hypocritically. The students from Humboldt State University reside in a small, socially liberal town in Northern California, which takes pride in its environmental credentials. The students there are largely very environmentally conscious. Um, you would expect that a peer's disregard for carbon emissions would not go down well. After listening to an interview with a student at the university who stressed the importance of walking or cycling short distances rather than taking a car, and then later admitting to drive to the interview, the participants were asked about their own environmental views. They did this while sat next to an actor. The actor took the role of either a third student wearing a university sweatshirt or a professional in smart clothing. When the hypocrisy of the interviewee was revealed, the actor either made a negative remark about their behavior or stayed quiet. Uh, how the participants judged the importance of walking or cycling short distances was dependent on who they listened to the interview with and how that person reacted. When sat with someone they thought was another student and who shared their environmental values, the participants uh, reiterated the importance of cycling. When sat with an outsider, it wasn't so clear-cut. An outsider who commented on the hypocrisy of the interviewee elicited the strongest environmental feelings in the participants by defending the interviewee from criticism. 
they reinforced their own view that cycling was important. This is perhaps because they felt the interviewer might normally be more environmentally responsible. Conversely, if the outsiders stayed quiet, the participants judged the importance of cycling the lowest. So how an outsider judges our peers has uh, judges our peers has a big impact on whether we back them up or not. This was an interesting study at Gandhi, because we were able to make some people care less about the environment. Normally, this is something that we would actively want to do, but understanding where these views come from could help us to nudge people in the other direction. In the face of criticism by a stranger, we might come to aid of our peers, but if left to form our own opinions, we interpret the hypocritical behavior as a sign that we can relax our own views. This is called vicarious dissonance. Uh, vicarious dissonance is when you see someone behave in a way inconsistent with your attitudes, so you change your attitudes, says Gaffney. I should be embarrassed by seeing you act in a non-environmental way, but that doesn't always happen. I won't necessarily start copying you, but I'll start my attitudes to reflect your behavior because I feel similar to you and I see you as an extension of myself. This study was inspired by several pieces of work in Australia on vicarious dissonance around sun protection use. Again, someone acting hypercritically would relax people's attitudes around applying protection, where the norm is to be extremely vigilant. The dangers of an exposure are well known, but our friends' behaviors can lead us to forget the risk. How we talk about uh, health choices with friends can also have uh, significant impact on how decisions both positively and negatively. Talking about an anti-smoking campaign with friends reduced people's cigarette intake, perhaps about uh, because those conversations gave smokers the opportunity to work out which information was most relevant to their lifestyles, and then act on it. This is supposed by a uh, supported by a meta-analysis of twenty-eight studies totaling one hundred thirty-nine thousand participants. The leading cause of death is preventable health uh, behaviors like smoking and obesity. And we have access to a vast amount of information online, but we still smoke and we still don't exercise, says Kristen Scholes of the University of Amsterdam. In anything, our friends do influence us in ways that we are conscious of or not. The presence can decide whether we act on that health information or ignore it. Scholes asked college students in the U.S. if they have talked to anyone about recent experiencing involving alcohol and whether those conversations were positive or negative. If they had talked positively about alcohol consumption, they were more likely to drink more the next day, and vice versa. These patterns are highly influenced, though, by the social circumstances that we find ourselves in. When we make decisions, we are constantly reassessing the value we might get from each choice, a process called value maximization. Our decision to make the stairs rather than a lift is dependent on how much we ate at lunch. If we have already been for our daily run and whether we walked into the building with our uh, triathlete colleague, no effect of a conversation with friends can ever be viewed in isolation. And that is why our willpower fluctuates. Say I have a conversation with a friend a day before about some of the negative sides of alcohol, but the next day I'm in a bar with other people. I would still argue that conversation has some form of influence on me, says Charles. However, it is a pretty simple representation of human decision-making.
We're not always very rational. We make these decisions pretty quickly. The importance of certain types of information changes through the day. Our choices are influenced by who we are with when we are asked the questions, how those people reacted, uh, any conversations we might have had beforehand and our fundamental understanding of what is normal for that group of friends. But if we're still in doubt, the easiest thing to do is to look at what others are doing and copy them. We do this all the time and we might not re- realize the impact it has. When we eat with people who eat a lot, we eat more. When we eat with others, we have a natural tendency to use the behavior as a god, says Susan Hicks who studies the psych, uh, psychobiology of appetite at the University of Birmingham. Lots of studies have shown that when we eat with people who eat a lot, we eat more. People aren't often aware they're being influenced in that way. They might say it was the taste or the price or hunger levels rather than the people around them. The phenomenon was first described based on um, an analysis of food diaries by John De Castro in the 1980s. These detailed diaries listed what people ate, but also where, when, and who with. He was then able to control for the effects of celebratory meals, whether alcohol was consumed, if the meal took place at the weekend, and any other factors that might have influenced the amount of food eaten. These effects have since been repeated in laboratories. Hicks asked Deans to eat lunch, either with a friend or in isolation in a lab. It appears to happen even when you are eating with one other friend in a very controlled environment. But this effect only occurs with people that you know well. Hicks suggests that the presence of another person clouds our ability to pick up on cues from our bodies that we are satisfied. The normal process of feeling full is disrupted by feeling stimulated by our friends. Other distractions like watching TV have been shown to increase food consumption. Next, Hicks took her research into the field to see if eating behaviors could be influenced by other social cues. She wanted to encourage people to choose vegetable side side dishes by providing information about the choices of other diners using posters. Of course, we know that explicitly saying vegetables are good for you doesn't work, says Hicks. Instead, the posters displayed fabricated data about which side dishes most customers bought. Hicks put a vegetable, a vegetable side dish at the top. These posters just describe the behavior of other people, and that's enough for some. Say so Hicks, when we enter a new environment, we look for cues about how to behave. So, to see that a certain choice is the most popular really helps us out. The effect was seen even after the posters were taken down. Hicks has created a new norm. There is a good reason to believe that when we use normative behavior, it makes us feel good because we're connecting with a social group, says Hicks. If you're with a new social group, you're more likely to imitate behaviors. Our decisions might not always be in our hands, but this also means we can use influence for good. The same way a negative behavior can spread through a network of people, a positive one can spread through a network, says Charles. We're evolved to live in a group, spread positive actions, and to seek the approval of others. This is the end of my episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Jennifer uh, will say thank you. Hit the like, subscribe, and share button. And I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.